You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Road. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Coming up on the roundup, strange things are brewing in Agatha's Soul Cauldron, while Four Color Omneth has gone up the beanstalk and over the moon. Then on the brew session, eight new decks with Beseech the Mirror in Modern and Pioneer. That's all coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan, and I'm joined this week by Lawson Zandy. Lawson, welcome. Hey, it's good to be back. New set. Uh, Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. David is traveling this week. He's off somewhere in Europe. I think he's like walking in rural Germany from monastery to monastery, just trying all the breweries and... Mord, last I heard, is just absolutely swamped with chaos in Argentina. We hope he's doing well, and we hope to hear from him again soon. But in the meantime, it's an all-Texas crew today. As it should be. And, you know, our, our weather's been fantastic. It's been, you know, 95 to 105 every day for the past two weeks. So, you know, w- what else is there to live for? 95 to 105. It was 107 today, <laughs> in Austin at least. <laughs> We continue with the hottest summer on record, which is also the coldest summer of the rest of our lives. Anyway, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, um, this might be the last time that I record from this house, but, uh, you know, excited about new things and uh, really just pretty excited right now about Eldraine. I'm actually going to Vegas in two weeks to play some sealed decks. So I've been playing a whole lot of magic, not the most constructed, but I am keeping an eye on it, and I'm pretty excited about the set overall. So, yeah, I was gonna say you you look different, and if I was trying to pinpoint what it was, I couldn't place it at first. Right? Is it the new haircut? Is it the camouflage shirt you're wearing? <laughs> but no, it's actually that the room you're in is typically filled with sports memorabilia, and now it's completely empty. So, what happened? Uh, well, uh, we are getting rid of the old te- Texas Guild Mage Hall. And we sold about half a million magic cards over the past weekend, uh, set oh up chairs and let people, you know, pick through just 5,000 count boxes and what? everything was <laughs> 20 cents each. And people sat there eight hours a day for four days and had a great time. And then the people we were working with were so impressed by it that they offered to take the rest of it off of our hands. So... I have uh, disposed of half a million uh, bulk magic cards over some time now. So uh, what, a, what a weight has been lifted. <laughs> half a million. Uh, we need a little more backstory here, also, a little context. So if you've been following the podcast for a while, you will have heard Lawson's origin story, right? He's been playing since he was, I want to say four. Is that accurate? Four years old? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so since since the beginning, essentially, <laughs> and all that time, uh, because you come from the Zandi clan, you you have this archivist instinct, I would say, right, where the entire history of magic 
not only lives in your DNA, but it lives in your house on the shelves, in binders, in many, many boxes. Like there's an entire cubby under the staircase where, you know, Harry Potter would live there, but he got kicked out because he didn't more room for boxes. Just boxes and boxes and boxes of every set. I imagine you guys, how many drafts would you say you hosted your house over the years? Uh, well, it was one a week, uh, every week for there were over 1100 meetings. So just over 22 years of drafting. Um, just to put into perspective, a five row white box that weighs about 25 pounds or something holds 5000 magic cards. Uh, there were over 100 of those. So oh <laughs> that that is it, it is problematic to think about. It was problematic to move. I am happy to no longer be dealing with it. Uh, it's good when you can have a box that just says original Ravnica, commons and uncommons, and people just scour through it and pick up old guild mages that are worthless to me, but priceless to them. So take it. Well, 20 cents to them, at least. <laughs> a good investment. So how many people would you say showed up? Like, how, did you advertise this or how do people know this was happening? Uh, the, we were working with an estate group. They handled all the kind of marketing, um, but mostly just videos of basically up and downstairs, infinite magic cards and chairs being set out and saying, Hey, come feel free, sit down, spend as however long you'd like. Uh, doors opened at 9am closed at five. Uh, apparently we had people sitting in all the chairs every single minute of every single day for four straight days. So oh <laughs> definitely, definitely a couple of hours people spent, you know, trolling through those boxes and, uh, you know, maybe they found a couple $2 cards, l let them have it, you know, just th that's the way it is. But, uh, you know, pr pretty exciting to not have to lug that around at this point. <laughs> My God. Well, congratulations. Um, whole new lease on life. So you emptied out the entire house. They took everything, right? This estate mm -hmm. company. And you're selling the house. Congrats. Yep. That's huge. Yep. Get, get rid of it. And, uh, you know, the, the best part about magic is they're going to keep giving us content. So I got new things to pick up and, you know, new, new things to spend my tickets on. So pretty excited about. I guess, I mean, I feel this sense of loss. I'm just like picturing <laughs> all the value that must have been hidden in that bulk. But can't be greedy. We can't be too sentimental. We can't be a hoarder when you're talking about half a million bulk cards. I got to ask, Lawson, what did you keep? Like, what did you take with you before you turned it over to the ravenous hordes? I still have a place at a modern, basically. Um, so th th that is the scale of the nonsense that I was having to get rid of. It's, you know, copies 8 through 80 of random commons from Amonkhet. You know, like that's these are the things that we're laying around. Um, we have just spare boxes uh, from, you know, booster packs. And uh, a spare box will hold about 650 magic cards. And we were selling those for five bucks. Just sealed. It's got the, you know, the art on it is cons of Tarkir. Those are cons of Tarkir cards. If you would like to spend $5, here's 600 cons cards. Get out of here. And yep, we just had people pick those up as well. So... It was a machine to to get magic cards out of this house as it was getting them in. So, wow. Okay, well, I imagine a weight has been lifted. Excited for what the future holds. Here's to the next half million cards. <laughs> Something like that. All right, Lawson. I guess we better get on with our business. In that case, it is brewing season. It's Wilds of Eldrine. 
we've finished our set review. We were able to knock it out in just two weeks, just five plus hours of chattering about cards. And the set's already here. As we're recording this, the set is live on both Magic Online and Arena. We're getting the first results. They're starting to trickle in. And that means it's time for us to brew with our first card. So that's our main agenda item for the day. But before we dig into the card, let's just take a look around the multiverse, figure out what's going on. So we got some news of the week, and Lawson, I would like to hear from you if you had any follow-up thoughts on our set review or any cards you have your eye on uh, coming out of Wilds of Eldraine preview season. So Wilds of Eldraine to me is a surprising blast of the past, and by that I mean not a whole lot of changes. Um, last set, Lord of the Rings, MH3 in disguise. Uh, the set before that, we got a whole new card type. You know, there's, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the Magic world. I think that there are a lot of role players in this set, things that we might see popping in and out of sideboards, but no real changes to especially modern. And I, I don't think there will be any giant changes to Pioneer. Um, you know, some decks are getting upgrades. Some decks are not getting upgrades. But th this is kind of what I would want to expect out of a standard power level set is cool things, powerful cards, new design space, but nothing game warping. So pretty excited about that. Um, Up the Beanstalk is the only card that is a little problematic to me. Um, it is very reminiscent to Karuga, um, but you get to now play one drops. So you, you get to have all the benefits of playing the big expensive cards and have that card advantage engine, uh, but you can now also play spell pierce and you can play lightning bolt and all of those kind of things so i'm definitely interested to see where up the beanstalk goes it's uh pretty exciting to see grind with ren and six back on the menu hmm. all right so we'll definitely dig into that if i had to put you on the spot and say do you have like a top 10 list coming out of wilds of Eldrine? Uh, yes. So I, I did have just a couple cards that I was excited about. Um, the early front runners, of course, didn't make that list. So Up the Beanstalk, um, Agus's Soul Cauldron and Beseech the Mirror, I think, are the ones that are on a lot of people's radars. Uh, for me, after that, uh, things that I was thinking about were Elusive Otter, just uh, another one-mana prowess creature that uh, also can be a spell. So if you draw a bunch of the creatures, you have a way to trigger them. They also play pretty well together in multiples. Uh, Elvish Archivist, the 0-1 for 2 that triggers to draw a card off of enchantments and counters off of artifacts. Uh, that card just plays really, really well with Urza Saga, being that it's an enchantment that will draw you a card and will put artifacts into play to make it huge, um, as well as like Fable the Mirror Breaker. So I think those are some interesting places to uh, delve into. Um, of course, I did start playing Magic super competitively back in uh, the original Fairies days. So I'm pretty excited about cards like Ego Drain and Fairy Fencing. I think those have got uh, a lot of uh, potential in Pioneer specifically, but also in uh, Modern. I, I definitely think that that is a um, tribal deck that definitely has you know legs. So uh, I'm interested to explore that. Uh, other than that, just a couple little things. Sir Ginger, powerful creature that hunts down planeswalkers uh, in Pioneer, might be really good in the black red um, sack decks. Just they have so many random artifacts, food, blood, treasure, all of that, that uh, Sir Ginger can just be massive. And you don't have to kill planeswalkers with her. So 
Um, that's one that I think is a little slept on. Uh, Hopeless Nightmare, Black Burn Spell, a little bit of Hand Hate as well. And then uh, rounding it out, uh, Blossoming Tortoise, cool little combo card, as well as a Value Engine and Regal Bunnycorn, um, just as some kind of generic powerful cards. So I think there's a lot going on in this set. I don't think any of these are super game-breaking, uh, but definitely some new things to kind of delve into. So the cards you listed, it seems like most of your comments are geared toward modern, if I'm hearing you correctly, with the exception of maybe Sir Ginger and the Fairies. Um, or are you thinking this ag- format agnostic? These are just the most interesting cards. I think these are pretty format agnostic. Uh, the only one that I think is really specific to modern is going to be um, Blossoming Tortoise. Uh, its two best cards that it combos with are not legal in Pioneer, sadly. Uh, those would be Urza Saga, because one, it lets you recur Urza Saga and lets you kind of do infinite value. Uh, also, Lava Claw Reaches, uh, that's mm. the black-red creature land uh, that on activation, uh, you can spend X to give it plus X plus O. Uh, with the Blossoming Tortoise, uh, it actually lets you make it infinite power, because you can do X equals two, the Tortoise will make it cost two less, and then you can just continue going on and on and on. So um, that one is kind of an interesting one. And then the other one that I think is specifically to modern, um, just Beseech the Mirror being that I think the most powerful things that you can do with it uh, are not currently in the Pioneer format. So That's interesting. So Beseech the Mirror is our card of the week, as I'm sure you've gathered from the episode title. And my contention is that the card is quite bad in Modern, but it's actually quite good in Pioneer. It's not that I disagree with your premise, Lawson, that the best targets to find are in Modern. That That's true, but the best things to bargain away are in Pioneer. And I just think that, well, we'll get into this later, but I, I just don't think it's worth it to <laughs> send four mana tutoring up cards uh, in Modern. But I do think it's worth it to get rid of Demonic Packs, for example. So that, that'll be an interesting one to explore more deeply. Um, yeah, I mean, I broadly agree with most of the cards that you've listed here being exciting. Um, you know, Blossoming Tortoise, Yurtle the Turtle, that's David's favorite card in the set. Although last I checked with him, he's saying he's struggling to figure out what to do with it in Pioneer. It reminds me so much of Soul of Windgrace, which was like pretty good, but it was just a lot harder to use in Pioneer than it was in Modern. Um, and you saw Soul of Windgrace getting picked up and just like generic generic Jun style decks in modern you can do the exact same thing with tortoise add in the lava claw reaches combo add in sagas and you know why why not so i'm excited to see if there's something there that's not just that i don't know what that would be but yeah i think it's a very exciting card the tortoise yeah i i do think the tortoise has a lot of potential just because lowering activation costs can be problematic you know they design these cards to work a specific way so uh you know it is something that could break uh, but also it's a four mana value engine like how problematic could they really be you know indeed uh another one that seems to be overperforming um sir ginger the meal ender a lot of people in our Discord have been t- talking about this and just sending screenshots of six, seven, eight power Sir Gingers. This thing grows fast, super, super fast. It doesn't take very many artifacts to die. And like, unlike the Elvish Archivist, this is not limited to once per turn. So it's every time a creature dies, excuse me, every time an artifact dies, you're going to get that counter, you're going to get that scry, and it, it just hits like a, 
like a food truck, right? It's so much damage. So this will be a fun one, I think. Definitely for Pioneer, but I mean, hopefully also for Modern. Yeah, I mean, I think specifically in Modern, it does have some kind of uh, really dangerous things that it can do with the Asmo food decks, um, mm-hmm. you know, just because those decks can end up with a bevy of random food just in play from discarding daredevil discarding daredevil discarding daredevil the moment you draw your surge injure you can just play it and then activate asmo targeting one creature five six times like you can you can just activate that effect to try to blow one thing up super super dead but basically cash in all of your food all at once so uh, definitely i think a really interesting card i do think it's going to be more powerful in pioneer uh, specifically because it uh, does a really really good job of hunting down uh, mono green devotion Uh, having a kiora in play on turn two might just get you killed now because Having the Planeswalker in play gives Sir Ginger a hexproof. And, you know, that is a little scary when there's a giant thing that is hexproof. So, and haste and trample and murder. I mean, the, the trample and haste is huge, right? They can play a Kiora and you just ignore Kiora. I know David's saying you can kill the Kiora with the Goose Mother. That, that's fine. But you could also just go face, right? Why even let them stick around at the game when you're hitting for so much damage you end the game in two or three swings yeah so definitely definitely excited to see where that one goes also seeing elusive otter popping up already in some 5-0 lists uh, nothing nothing too out of the ordinary there this is mainly in pioneer worth noting that so far the card has been bugged where the, the green half doesn't actually distribute counters but despite that just like we were saying just the one one otter with prowess is dangerous enough um and the ability to just like cast that green spell even for zero even with it being bugged, is still good enough. So looks like that's going to be a player. Seeing Sleight of Hand also getting picked up in a lot of decks. So this is there's going to be some movement in Pioneer from this set for sure. I can't, I can't describe how funny it is to me that like, yeah, of course, Magic's a complicated game. There's going to be issues. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out, you know. Uh, but not working at all is like very funny. Like, not not it puts the counters on incorrectly, not that you can't select multiple things. Just, this card doesn't work, actually. Sorry, we forgot to code it. It's just, you can look at it, but don't, don't touch it. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's good, Wizards. Never change. Well, in this case, it's Daybreak, but no shade at them. By all accounts, they're doing an amazing job. Like everyone who's a dedicated Magic Online player is saying that they've, they've seen amazing improvements since Daybreak took over, especially in the last few months. Mm-hmm. One of the promotions they're running right now is what they're calling the Brewer's Pass, or Deck Brewer's Pass. Uh, it's basically an all-access pass. $25 gets you access to every single card on the client, so you can build any deck you want without having to buy the cards or rent them or anything like that. Basically, if you were not sure you wanted to commit to the monthly rental service, but just wanted to see what it's like to have access to every card, this is the smoothest possible way to do it. And they don't run this promotion all the time, right? It's usually like in preparation for like a PTQ or something like that. Mm -hmm. But having it right on set release is just like a game changer, right? It's the perfect time to just have access to all the cards. Uh, And that promotion is still ongoing. So I think for the next uh, 10 days or something, 25 bucks, you can hop on Magic Online and play any any deck you want. Cool. No, and I love that. I mean, any any reason for people to download the client is a good reason. So, 
I'm excited to see. And, you know, more people playing Magic is also the way we get more sweet brews. Um, I am definitely someone that even when I'm not the most active in playing myself, I keep track of every single deck dump. And I need more people in the modern queues to do silly things for me to find it. So uh, that is that is a, a call to arms for, you know, all of you with tickets to get rid of them. Um <laughs> Says the man who just sold half a million bulk cars for 20 cents each. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so mm. there's a lot that we can explore on the podcast. Um, for everyone else who's just playing in the modern queues, uh, we are on the verge of a modern RCQ season that's starting up now. So it's worth taking a look at just the impact the set is already having. And just in the first three or four days, we are already seeing some movement. Uh, one of those cards is the one that Lawson mentioned, Up the Beanstalk. That's one in a green enchantment when Up the Beanstalk enters the battlefield, and whenever you cast a spell with mana value 5 or greater, draw a card. What are people doing with this card? Well, it's unfortunately, it's just a value engine. Just a value engine. You compared it to Karuga, I don't think that's quite fair. I mean, because Karuga is not like a... I mean, it's funny that it's a companion, but it's not like it's an overpowered card or anything. It's not like Karuga decks are any good. But this is different, right? This is just like the elemental Omnath stuff deck. You just put in up the Beanstalk and suddenly it's just very good. Yeah, no, whenever whenever I'm referring to Karuga, I'm, I'm basically just thinking about the way that it played in Pioneer and in Standard with like Fires of Invention, where every card in your deck just drew you a card at some point. Um, that's just the way that this up the Beanstalk works. It is really, really powerful specifically as well with the Nissa that was printed in Aftermath uh, because both Solitude and Fury are elementals that Nissa can find and they also trigger up the Beanstalk. So if you think about Solitude as a free effect that lets you exile your opponent's creature but go down a card, with up the Beanstalk, you're no longer going down that card. You're just getting all the tempo um, efficiencies and now with Nissa being able to find them, it's like very, very easy to even your deck that only has, let's say, 11 or so cards that trigger up the Beanstalk for you to trigger it pretty consistently. And that's not to even think about the fact that you can have more than one up the Beanstalk in play. Like, yes. I, I think it will be very reasonable to go turn two up the Beanstalk, turn three up the Beanstalk, play my fetch land, fetch, get prismatic ending, exile your thing, draw two cards, fury, kill your other two things, draw two more cards, go. You're just like, oh, I'm dead. They killed all of my board and have seven cards in hand. I might want to check the math on I don't think that's seven cards in hand. Well, maybe it is, though. So each up the Beanstalk replaces itself, which is the biggest thing, right? So it's always yeah. going to be a cantrip. Even if they're not doing anything with Salt and Fury, they're still going to cantrip. They can still bounce it with Teferi 3, which these decks are also playing. Mm -hmm. So it's like your abundant growth. They're still going to get value off their Leyline Binding. So there's not that many cards in the deck that trigger it, right? It's just Solitude, Fury, and Leyline Binding in most cases. Uh, most people are not going beyond that. But that's still enough, right? Because uh, the opportunity cost is fairly low to play a card like this. Yeah, and I mean, the, the other cards in the deck are still like Renin 6, Teferi, Time Raveler, Omnath. You know, these, they make a little bit of value on their own, you know? Like, the, the cards that are not included in the Up the Beanstalk you know, stonks value train uh, are just like the most powerful 
value engines printed at their mana costs on the curve. So um, this is definitely the deck that is looking to make the most game actions, draw the most cards, and do the most stuff. Not the most linear, not ending the game quickly, but, you know, overpowering people with card advantage overall. Yeah, and not not everyone's doing boring things. I saw Aspiring Spike is messing around with uh, our good friend Logic Knots. Logic Knots can get you uh, <laughs> X equals three or greater will get you a card off of off the Beanstalk. So he was trying to make giant Shark Typhoon tokens with that. So if you if you still want to see if you still want to live the Chrome Host Seed Shark dream, right? Get your Logic Knots out there. Maybe you can find Logic Knots in Lawson's bulk bins <laughs> if they haven't all been sold already. Shining Shoal, baby. Shining Shoal. Shining Shoal. There you go. Yeah. All right. So that's a card you will be seeing. The other card that you will be seeing in Modern is Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Lawson, tell us about the Soul Cauldron. So the Soul Cauldron has three paragraphs real quick. Um, They are increasingly more confusing. So we'll, we'll start with the simple one. Uh, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate uh, activate abilities of creatures you control. Creatures you control with a plus one plus one counter on them have all activated abilities of all creatures exiled with the soul cauldron. And then you can tap the cauldron to exile target card from a graveyard. When a creature card is exiled this way, you get to put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Important things to note about this, one, Agatha's Soul Cauldron is legendary, so your opponent can't have two of them in play, and um, the activation is not at sorcery speed, and it also doesn't have to target creatures. So this can hit uh, fetches that your opponent is trying to pick back up with Renin 6, it can also target creatures if your opponent was trying to reanimate them or do something silly like that, so uh, this card is very, very flexible. Uh, if you want a quick thing to kind of think about it too, it plays kind of similar to Unlicensed Hearse, uh, but also randomly gives things activated abilities. Yeah, I was briefly wondering if this is just better than Unlicensed Hearse at attacking the graveyard in any format. David disagreed. He said he finds that, you know, if you actually want to attack the graveyard, you should just go for Hearse. And that, that's probably true. But yeah, it's important to remember that this has that incidental hate function in the decks that will be playing it for other reasons, primarily its combo potential. And the combo potential from Agatha's Soul Cauldron is actually pretty, pretty good. Um, so I've already seen, looks like I'm looking at three different deck lists here from the first few days that have seen tournament success online with the Soul Cauldron. The first one is the one that we talked about. It's regular old black green Yogmoth. The idea here being that, you know, Yogmoth combo. Those are activated abilities, uh, so having more Yogmoths, having the ability to combo off of a dead Yogmoth is very handy. I mean, the deck also happens to already play creatures with plus one, plus one counters, so you're getting more access to that second ability of the Soul Cauldron. You know, your, your Young Wolf or your String of Geist can just randomly pick up uh, Grist abilities, etc., etc. And it, it is important to 
think about the fact that there are other activated abilities in the deck. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. Yogmoth. Uh, Delighted Halfling mana abilities are activated abilities. So mm-hmm. any creature with a counter on it has that mana ability. Uh, wall of Roots as well. So if you have, you know, a Delighted Halfling and a Wall of Roots exiled, you can tap your Young Wolf that has a plus one, plus one counter on it to make a mana. And then you can put a minus O, minus one counter because Wall of Roots is not just minus one, minus ones. So it won't even take away the um, counter there. So you can continue activating. And most interesting uh, that is not super um, clear at initial looks is the way that it works with Grist. Uh, Grist Mm. is a creature in the graveyard, so it is something that will, you know, be giving its uh, activated abilities to things with counters on it. And even though your young wolf that has a plus one, plus one counter on it does not have any loyalty counters on it, uh, that doesn't mean it can't activate the plus one of the uh, grist that you have exiled. So uh, any creature that you have with the plus one, plus one counters can now activate the planeswalker abilities of grist. Uh, and then if for whatever reason you were to have two counters, you could then at that point do the minus two as well. So there is a lot of things going on there. Um, I did see some people even playing uh, Metallic Mimic uh, because you could name Insect in that case. And then you could um, actually basically mill your entire library all at once and put a bunch of Insects into play. So um, definitely some sweet stuff going on. Um, I'm very, very excited to see where this card goes. It can do a lot of really, really sweet things. So pretty excited on that one. Yeah, it seems like the kind of card that we should spend a week on, despite the fact that, you know, it's already seeing success. There's there's just more to explore. Like the Metallic Mimic combo with Grist uh, has not been successful yet, but it seems like it could work. It absolutely could work. There's weird combos you can do with Emery and Agatha's Cauldron in Pioneer, for example. There's a lot of potential for the Soul Cauldron to explore. I mean, I think the most violent one is Fulminator Mage. Like, that is that is an activated ability. <laughs> and uh, the fact that you get to, like, sack it, blow up your opponent's Urza's Tower, and then tap your Soul Cauldron and be like, okay, this creature now gets a counter, blow up your other land. Like, every turn you can now just tap your Cauldron, put a counter on a creature, and then blow up a non-basic land of your opponent. So... Oh my god. <laughs> That's nasty. Like you, you could very quickly just be like, okay, I play a Gris, I plus Gris, I get an insect, I plus, or I tap the cauldron, I put a counter on the insect, I sack the insect, I kill your thing, go. I see a, a couple of Fulminator Mages in this Black Green Yogmoth that Claudio took to a 5 and 2 result in the challenge. So that's there. I mean, I don't know if, is that worth just building around the main deck? Is that powerful enough? I mean, I'm a big believer in the fact that if you're playing a deck that has Eldritch Evolution and or uh, Court of Calling, that like randomly having one copy of this kind of effect is not going to, you know, ever be that bad, Um, especially with how big of an upside it does have. Uh, That being said, I know that these Yawgmoth decks are not on the full four package of uh, these cauldrons, so... Um, usually they're playing two or three, so um, I wouldn't go, you know, super, super overboard. Um, you know, I, I think the one of the funnier cards that, you know, if you were to try and really break Soul Cauldron would also be like um, the Mana Dork from um, 
one of the more recent Ravnica sets, Incubation Druid. Uh, Incubation <laughs> Druid taps for three mana. F bit uh, has a counter on it. Well, if the Cauldron thing is giving its ability, that thing has a counter on it. So you're turning all of your creatures oh into Black Lotus dorks. That's disgusting. Do with that information what you will. I don't think it's phenomenal. There's also like a a, a Loreth combo um, that is possible. Loreth is the uh, one four from Lord of the Rings that taps to give um, to untap a legendary permanent, or you can tap it to untap two legendary creatures. Um, in a perfect world, you could tap the cauldron, exile Loreth, put a counter on one of your creatures. Tap that creature that now has a counter on it to untap the cauldron. Tap the cauldron, put another counter on another creature. Continually doing this until you have two legendary creatures. And then you can tap one of them to untap the other one. Because they both have the untapped two legends. So, Wait, what card is this? I, I'm trying to find this, but I cannot find it. Uh, Loreth. Here, I will... Uh, sorry, you don't you don't know random one four uncommons from Lord of the Rings by heart. Is that even a character from Lord of the Rings? Like, who, who the heck is Lord? This must be from the extended editions, like a deleted mm. scene or something. Mm, let me let me let me help you out. Is it an elf, a dwarf, a human? No, it's a it's a human. Huh. Uh, the name of the card is Loreth of the Healing House. Um, it's a one blue and two colorless for a one four human cleric. Um, they have two activate abilities. One is tap, untap target permanent. And the other one is tap, uh, to untap two other target legendary creatures. So, um, to do the full combo, you would need two creatures that are legendary and Loreth and exile. Um, and you can go back and forth. So. It's kind of cool. Um, y- you need a thing oh, to do. I think that's an I. Yoreth. Oh, Yoreth. Yeah. Not that I know who that is either, but who can forget Yoreth of the Healing House? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you gotta snap those up. I found a bunch in your bulk bins last week. Oh no. <laughs> so that was a great windfall for me. But I mean, I think this is just the the thing that is crazy about Agatha's Soul Cauldron is that activated abilities being handed over to creatures, especially having like multiple activated abilities put onto creatures at once is like very, very easy for things to get broken. Um, You know, if you do the incubation druid one and any creature that has the ability to untap stuff, you are very quickly going to create an infinite mana loop. Another one that I saw in the deck dump, uh, someone was playing Agatha's Soul Cauldron in their Hardened Scales deck because it's just a good way to be passing counters around. But that also means that, like, if you exile a Walking Ballista, all of your things that have counters on them have the Walking Ballista attacks to throw those counters. Or, oh, you exile a Steel Overseer? Cool. All of your artifacts that have a counter now can tap to put a counter on all your artifacts. Like, it is very, very easy for this to get very sideways very quickly. Yeah, Hardened Scales, a couple different decks with Soul Cauldron already in the 5-0s. So we're seeing it in Yawgmoth, we're seeing it in Hardened Scales. In the Yawgmoth sideboard, um, I mean, there's that Fulminator Mage we talked about. I also see 
a Garza's Assassin, which is a, a blast from the past from Cold Snap. I see a Spike Feeder there, just a one of Spike Feeder, which is very interesting because that lets you remove counters anytime you want um, to gain life or to reset Undying. That as a Yawgmoth sidebar card is extremely interesting, but that also reminds us that the Soul Cauldron works in regular old Spike Feeder combo, and we have a 5-0 list from the player LFC. That's just the Heliod Spike Feeder combo with three Agatha's Soul Cauldron. No, I mean, it's doing a lot of cool things. I mean, I, I think the the fact that Agatha's lets you just play basically all the combos and in a deck that's already playing Court of Calling and activates Court of Calling really well, like, oops, I found my tertiary combo, but it still wins me the game on the spot. I'm sorry. Like, that's that's wild. That's, like, a really, really powerful thing to get to do. And this is what happens when cards that are very, very uh, unique are printed, is they're just going to do some powerful things on their own. Yeah, all right. We're definitely going to do a week on this Soul Cauldron. <laughs> Despite many things having already been discovered, there's so much more to discover. Like, you could do Omen Hawker with uh, Pala or with any of the untapped creatures. You could do Pilipala Grand Architect as your secondary way to get there. We already discovered how to pronounce uh, Eworth, too. So that's, you know, that that's already one big one for the, the show notes. Science is advancing at a rapid pace on these cards. <laughs> All right, so those are two cards that uh, are beginning to make an impact in Modern. It's still early, right? It's still like midway through week one. Hearing whispers, you know, hearing whispers that uh, Night of the Sweet's Revenge, which is the Wilderness Reclamation for food tokens, is pretty good. Hearing that Questing Druid is pretty good. Um, that card is apparently a multi-format star. It's already been bought out in Japan, so if you uh, want to get on that now, it's like under a dollar in the US as of yesterday, but in Japan it's like $10. So Questing Druid, uh, that's the, the query on Druid that also comes with an adventure to exile two cards and play them. That might be one to uh, pick up as well. Could be potentially just a great multi-format card. Cool. I, I love seeing that. I mean, it uh, definitely takes some work to make magic cards, you know, up to date and with the modern power level. But cool. I'm in for it. Yeah, I mean, the trick is to take a classic card and then add an entire second card to it and just say you can have both. <laughs> this is how you make a playable card these days. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. No notes. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, Lawson, I guess we should get on to our card of the week, which is Beseech the Mirror. Beseech the Mirror, a card that has received so much hype. This was part of the early leaks, so there were rumblings about it for a long time. I think so many rumblings that people just assumed it was going to be a great card. I have not seen evidence of that yet myself. <laughs> I am firmly in the this card is a trap camp. Uh, we'll talk about why in a second, but before we do, I, why don't you read the card for us, Lawson, and kind of walk us through what you can do with Beseech the Mirror. More than happy to walk through Beseech the Mirror. Um, so Beseech the Mirror is two black and two. And, oh, wait. Sorry, I mean, <laughs> no, it's, no it's, it's triple black. Sorry, this card is uh, so weird to me in so many ways. Um, but it is three black and one for a sorcery with bargain. Bargain is uh, you may sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token as you cast the spell. 
Uh, and then the text is search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle. If this spell was bargained, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. Uh, if this spell's mana value is four or less, um, then put the exiled card in your hand if it wasn't cast this way. So basically, four mana. If you bargain it, you get to search your library for anything that costs four or less and play it for free. Otherwise, it's Diabolic Tutor? Diabolic Tutor that is indeed harder to cast. <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make, Lawson. You're like, man, well, the bad mode is Diabolic Tutor, so two black and two colorless. But no, no, it's black, black, black one. It's Gosh, this card is so hard to cast. And I think we all agree that the unkicked mode, where you just search your library for a card and put it in your hand, is a complete disaster, right? That's We cannot play this. We can't even play like a two-minute version of this. We certainly cannot pay four to just put a card in our hand. So we basically have to bargain this. Is that fair to say? Very much so. I am not <laughs> casting this card without bargaining it, unless I am winning the game once it resolves. But And bargain being a new mechanic is essentially just kicker, right? The kicker cost is second artifact, second enchantment, or second token as you cast it. Additional cost, um, that locks in the bargain mode. So if you happen to like copy a bargain to beseech you you do get the bargained copy is that correct that is correct that also means that you choose whether or not you're sacking something uh before your opponent has to counter it uh <laughs> so if you sacrifice a card that matters and uh this gets remanded reprieved force of negation commandeered etc uh you're in for a bad time all right, I'm going to go through a few corner cases um, just so we understand all, all the little rules, tidbits. The bargain mode, we're only talking about the bargain mode here, allows you to search up any card, but the free cast is only for CMC 4 or less. So I guess there, there is some universe in which I would bargain up a solitude if I really needed that and didn't have a better card that I could free cast. Four or less, you are allowed to get cards that have no mana cost or a null mana cost. So what's kind of interesting is that this can directly cast a card like Crashing Footfalls out of your, out of your deck. Now, is that worth four mana and a sacrifice? Uh, I'm doubtful, but that entire cycle is on the table in modern at least. Casting this card, the free cast as I'll call it, happens during the resolution of Beseech the Mirror. I keep thinking Beseech the Multiverse. It's not that. It's Beseech the Mirror. This works basically the same as Bring to Light, so it has all the same corner cases, namely if Teferi Time Reveler is on the battlefield, you just cannot cast your card. It just goes to your hand because the stack is not empty. You put that spell onto the stack while you are still in the process of resolving your original Beseech. I guess one of the relevant questions is, so where will the Beseech be at the time that you're casting that second spell? Well, the Beseech is technically still on the stack, so if the thing you found is a card that checks your graveyard for targets like if you're trying to like cast a regrowth you can't tutor for a regrowth and cast it that on beseech because um, the beseech is not in the graveyard yet however the beseech will be in the graveyard by the time the thing you find resolves so let's say that you wanted to get like an eternal witness uh or more relevantly a gaia's will something that upon resolution checks what's in the graveyard in that case the beseech will be in the graveyard so you could like yeah, go get a witness, rebuy Beseech. I don't think you should, but you could. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm I'm with you. 
And lastly, beseeching to get a fork effect or a, a copy effect. While technically legal, it, it won't actually work out the way you want because uh, while you're allowed to like tutor up the fork, Beseech will still be on the stack. You can like clone the Beseech that way, but then Beseech goes to the graveyard and is no longer eligible for the fork, so it fizzles, is my understanding. So you can't just like wish for more wishes in that way. That is correct. Now, of course, if you do have a way to fork it while it's on the stack, then you can do some crazy things, but we're, we're jumping through a lot of hoops at that point, so. Correct. Uh, and I guess the last relevant point of difference is that unlike Bring to Light, um, this card checks the mana cost as you try to cast a spell. So that whole Valky Tibalt trick doesn't work in this case. And that's that's actually very important because um, that's one of the, the things that makes Bring to Light at least somewhat plausible is that you can always at least get a Tibalt for five. This does not have that kind of fail-safe mode. Uh, if you try to cast a Tibalt, it's going to say, actually, that's that's seven. Can't do it. Goes to your hand. You can only cast a Valky. So it's not exactly the same. On the flip side, unlike Burn to Light, this gets anything, right? You can get any kind of spell. It doesn't matter what type. It can even get more copies of itself. So if you wanted to Beseech for another Beseech, uh, you could. And I've seen some kind of out there combos proposed where you have like some kind of token generator, like a Chrome Host Seed Shark or something, or uh, like a young Pyromancer that generates a token every time you cast. So you have more bargain fodder. And then you have like a Wheel of Sun and Moon in play. So each Beseech goes back into the, into the deck every time you do this. <laughs> and you just keep Beseeching for more Beseeches. That actually is possible for that, the low, low cost of three cards. Um, <laughs> one of them being Selesnya, one being uh, the Young Pyromancer, and one being this Black, 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 and a one combo piece. So I don't think you should do that, but yeah. Any other weird corner cases on Forgetting Lawson? The, I, I do think you make a really, really good point in kind of comparing this to Bring to Light. Uh, the one important thing that is really, really different about these cards is that Bring to Light gets you artif- or gets you creature instant sorcery. That's it. Mm-hmm. Beseech the Mirror does let you hit enchantments, artifacts. Um, it lets you hit planeswalkers. So... I do think that there is a world where this card can do some pretty powerful things. Uh, Those pretty powerful things are going to be, I I think, possibly just a prison deck that plays um, some, you know, mana rocks so that we can play this thing on turn three and then go search the prison piece that is specifically brutal for our opponent. One of the things that is also interesting to me about this is because we need to play a decent number of artifacts and enchantments to get to do the bargain, uh, this does actually lend itself to playing well with Border Post. And Border Post play well with the um, Restore Balance that this can also get. So (laughs) I I think there are some use cases for Beseech the Mirror. Oh I gosh. don't think any of them will be very kind. Like, I don't I don't see us beseeching the mirror, sacrificing a Pentad Prism, and then getting Shieldred. You know, I think I think that's like the the tamest thing that someone could could do with this. I don't think we're getting uh the one ring, even though it this does trigger the cast on the one ring. So, you know, there there are some interesting aspects about that, but 
for me, this is mostly, you know, a black thing that can randomly, oh, I play one Blood Moon in my deck, Blood Moon, you Oh, I play one Mindlock Orb, Mindlock Orb, like just random things like that. One Ashiok, one Teferi, one Chalice. So those are the the kind of use cases that I think does separate this from its predecessor. Did you just say Mindlock Orb? Three yes. players can't search libraries? Yes. Does that card see played? Where did that come <laughs> blast from the past? Am I missing something? No, I mean, it's uh, th- there are definitely decks that struggle if they can't search their library. Um, it's mostly just a, a reference to it's a because it's an artifact. It's not a thing that Bring to Light mm. could get previously. So fair enough. I, I think that you should probably get Ashiok Dream Render, I believe is the name of the the one that also stops fetching, uh, but is also Graveyard Hate. But Say love. Neither here nor <laughs> that, there. That is one-sided, so that you don't shut off your own message the message the mirror. So. Well. Um but okay, that's a deep cut there. That's interesting. Yeah, okay, so may- maybe I'm underselling the importance of being able to find any type, but the gist of my argument is it's not like bring to light is playable in modern anymore. Shaving a mana off it and making it cost black, black, black one does not inspire a lot of confidence for me that this is going to see any play. And people do play counter magic in modern. I would be very surprised if this sees widespread play in like uh you know cabal coffers or something that's kind of the first home people think of like oh we could have even more copies of the one ring in cabal coffers but they they don't even play a pull playset right now <laughs> like you don't need that many one rings you have karn already for that if you need that uh and then it's like okay well are, do you actually meet the bargain condition we can't just gloss that over it's not like it's free to find a token, an artifact, or an enchantment. You have to like go out of your way to build your deck that way. Just Orcish Bowmasters alone is not enough um, to satisfy that condition. So uh, yeah, there are some real questions that I think you have to ask if you're going to try to build around this card. Um, so Lawson, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Like, How much fodder would you say that we need? How many bargain enablers do you need to feel confident that every time I draw this, I can, I can do the kicked mode? So for me, and I know that this is not the most exciting answer of all time, but I just kind of generically want to lean on numbers. And uh, for me, I'm a very big fan of going to a hypergeometric calculator. Um, If you're willing to be successful um, about 90% of the time, um, you need 12 cards that enable Beseech the Queen or Beseech the Mirror, sorry. Um, to do it on turn uh, three. Um, And I am saying turn three because I'm expecting most of the ways that we're going to try to enable it to actually ramp us. So uh, for me, the most interesting ones are Border Post, Talisman. Um, I actually really like um, Utopia Sprawl. Uh, this is something that mm. I've found from playing a ton of limited. The Utopia Sprawl is actually uh, in this draft format randomly. So um, it does come up that you use the Utopia Sprawl for mana and also the bargain portion of cards. Uh, so I think that that is a, a real case for something that this card um, could do um, that is pretty powerful. I also think that Urza Saga is, um, you know, it, it's a land that is an enchantment. So it does 
uh, meet that metric. Uh, it is a little awkward that it's a colorless land. We're probably playing a couple of Urborgs, but um, I, I don't want to gloss over the fact that it, it is a little awkward that some of the ways we would try to turn it on are Utopia Sprawl and Urza Saga, because those two things do not play well together um, for Black, Black, Black. So I think there are some kinks to you know, iron out. Um, funny enough, I also think that if this is a real strategy, you could just play some main deck ley lines, which does mean that like you will ley line of the yes. void people in game one and they're just like holding some dredge cards randomly and just like So that I think does take us somewhere interesting. Like, I was thinking about that because I saw um some legacy players had had some success yesterday and today with what was essentially just like a mono black control with Beseech the Beseech the Mirror. I keep pausing because I keep thinking it's Beseech the Multiverse or Beseech the Queen. Like, what, what the heck? <laughs> um, okay, Beseech the Mirror. In Legacy, and yeah, they were using Ley Lines like a full set. So you could do that in Modern even with, I don't know, do you, do you want to play that as like a Nykthos enabler? Like we see that in janky mono blue Devotion and Pioneer. Um, you could do the same thing in, in modern. You, you very much can. I'm very much not a believer in the fact that it's like important, mostly because uh, black is actually, uh, it only has the one ley line. I know other colors have multiple, um, but they've only ever got ley line of the void in black. So it is a little hard to have kind of the, the consistency. I know blue sometimes tries to do it with a ley line of anticipation, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they're also just like kind of interested in being able to play at the end of their opponent's turn. Um, and ley line of the void does not probably give us any immediate plans for things that we can do I, I would assume that we're not going to play any processors i don't think we're you know jumping through those hoops so it is something to keep in mind though you know oh and um ley lines are something that you can grab off of the beseech so like exactly. if there is a matchup where they're like specifically powerful like you know maybe maybe the deck plays four ley line of the voids and a ley line of sanctity main deck just because, oh, sometimes this is a card they can never beat. Oops. Exactly, and if you're worried that you don't have enough black ley lines to make this reliable, maybe you want to do Serum Powder, which is another thing that you can bargain away. <laughs> I mean, this sounds good to me. I'm, I'm interested in this now. But yeah, to, to be a little more serious, I agree, Lawson, that something like a Talisman would be like the best thing to sacrifice for this or utopia sprawl but talismans are a little bit friendlier on the mana i love border posts you don't have to sell me on that but they do not ramp right they just slow you down they're like tap lands so i would look to the talismans first uh possibly pentap prison we'll, we'll look at a deck here that actually uses those to great effect if you want to aim for that 12 number that lawson calculated i don't think it's really realistic to count your orc army tokens in that number they're just they're just too fragile Urza Saga, I guess you could safely count that, because as long as it makes it to chapter 3, you can always just grab some random one-drop. Treasure tokens, would you count treasure tokens? I mean, that that's the thing, is that, like, this is also something that I've noticed from playing a ton of this draft format, is, like, at first when you think bargain, like, you, you would think it's, like, very hyper-specific artifacts, enchantments, and tokens, but all of the good cards these days make other resources, like... You know, 
Fable of the Mirror Breaker makes a um, two-two token mm-hmm. that makes treasures. Mm-hmm. It itself is an enchantment, and when it flips, yes. it's also still an enchantment. So, like, at any point with a Fable of the Mirror Breaker, you can just cast Beseech the Queen and or beseech the mirror. Oh man, it's wild. We, it is beseeched the podcast. Um, yeah. But y- your opponent doesn't get priority. You know, it is part of cast. So, you know, I, I think that there are, the, the problem will not be, hey, can I bargain this spell? It will be, does bargaining this spell matter? And if so, why am I not just playing more of the cards that matter? You know? My thought is, I think this is most likely a combo um, effect where you try to do a weird loop, like you previously mentioned, or you're just playing a black prison deck. You get to play Inquisitions and Thoughtseize, pick your opponent's hand apart, make sure they don't have any of their um, ways to interact. Then you beseech for the card they can never beat. You eventually find a one ring, you draw a million cards, and eventually you kill your opponent at some point, begrudgingly. You know, like I... I, I think that it is mostly going to be a prison card, but that's just the way that I approach a effect like this. I mean, if you built a deck like that, you would have to convince me that Beseech the Mirror is better than Profane Tutor. Uh, I don't think that it is, right? Because you have to, A, you're two for one of yourself every time you cast it, and B, like the cards you would play to set that up. I mean, I, I love Talismans, but I don't, it's not like they're modern, modern staples or anything. They're not that powerful. I mean, definitely got some things to hash out with it. You know, it is uh, not very straightforward in what you're supposed to be doing with it. I mean, I am a big believer in the fact that there are some really powerful four drops. Like, you know, the fact that the the floor of this card is going to be Shieldred and the Wondering means that it's not the worst thing in the world other than counter magic. Right, exactly. So the questions we have not resolved yet are what exactly are we getting off of this? Obviously, a four drop would be the most efficient thing to get. Or if you want to count a null cost spell that's worth more than four mana. But that means you have to be playing Beseech the Mirror and the four drop, right? They're not hidden in the, in the sideboard like with Karn. They, they all got to be in your main deck. So you're playing a ton of four drops at that point. Then we got to dig into the numbers. Like, is it truly a beseech the mirror toolbox and in that case are we playing four copies of the tutor or are we treating it as just like okay copies five or six of a card we really like you know i love the one ring i want to play four one rings and two beseech the mirrors to find it etc maybe i throw on one damnation just to like have the option to find that yeah i mean i think i think that's a very real case scenario for it if i mean in the the thing that you're selling about like you know are we really just going to be a deck that is a ton of four drops? Like, is that bad? The talismans, while they're not the most exciting cards of all time, if we're playing a bunch of four drops, talismans are kind of sweet at playing four drops. You know, like that's, that's kind of the thing they're good at. You play them on two and then turn three, boop. like you, that, that is kind of the way they line up. Um, I would say, you know, this is always an excuse to also be a leyline binding deck, and that is also an enchantment. So, I think there are a ton of things that can happen, but is it quite there? Maybe not yet. The last thing that's worth mentioning is that bargain does not have to be a cost, right? We can turn it to our advantage. We can get rid of something that we actually wanted to sacrifice. Demonic Pact being 
the biggest draw here, but also treacherous blessing. That's two and a black draw three cards, and then you have to kind of have to get rid of the blessing before it kills you. Cursed rule if you want to stick within the set's mechanics. These are more pioneer power level plays, and I actually think that's probably the most attractive part of the card, in my opinion. Like if you look at what cards in this set actually have bargain, there's there's plenty of them, but not that many that like scream constructive playability. Right? There's 21 cards in the set have bargain. But of those 21, like if I actually wanted to get rid of my, uh, let's say it's Demonic Pact, or if you're in modern, let's say you, you want to build around hatching plans, what is the best bargain card to get rid of it? Um, this is one of the better ones, despite costing four. I think the other one that I see people playing is like Candy Grapple, which is just like a two mana kill spell that you have the option to sack something to bargain it for like <laughs> to kill something even deader. But I think the main purpose of that would just be to have like extra sack outlets. So that's a space that I think we should explore. And we've got some deck lists from David that we'll jump to in a second that do work in that space. So I think there's some cool things that like the bargain mechanic itself does. And then Beseech being a great example of bargain becomes interesting in that way. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely do like that um, aspect of the card is that there's a lot of levers that it's asking you to pull, but that does mean that it's got a lot of places to find some extra benefit. Um, you know, in modern, we also have, um, you know, a blue and one enchantment, um, you know, that when it goes to the graveyard, you draw three cards, hatching plants. You know, mm -hmm. that is a that is a card that forever people have been inter interested in, you know, how, how much work am I willing to spend to get three cards? Uh, well, what if, for your three cards, you also got to play a random four drop in your deck for free. Like, okay, yeah, no, that, that sounds great. Um, of course, this is assuming that we are in happy sunshine land where we played a two drop that didn't do anything. And then we played a four drop and it didn't get countered or messed with or, you know, timing restrictions. So th there are some things to hash out still, but um, the, the ceiling is, very high i i feel like that that's a, a thing that could be said uh, the floor is also very very uh, far down so indeed indeed all right lawson you've done some digging you've searched around to see what are the best things we can find off the siege the mirror any you want to shout out here before we get into the deck list themselves um, so the ones that I found the cutest, um, I really, really did like uh, having the uh, option to get Restore Balance. Uh, that is a card that I find to be very, very powerful. Uh, also, if you are playing a deck that is using artifact mana so that you could be able to, um, you know, get the good portion of uh, the uh, Beseech the Mirror, um, yeah, I do think that this is a, a good way to make it not so uh, balanced, you know, not to make a pun from that card, but, um, you know, I, I think that that is one aspect that is a really powerful thing that you can do. Um, the other one that I really liked was cards like Ashiok and Blood Moon. Um, th these are just effects that we don't usually get to play a ton of in the main deck, especially in a black deck. Um, but they are powerful cards, and sometimes they end the game on the spot. So those are those are the things that I would keep in mind. It would be great if Beseech just said four mana win the game. Are there cards that just win the game at four mana? Um, there's a couple. I mean, Yogmoth would be such a card if you have the rest of the combo assembled. Uh, Restore Balance puts you way ahead. The Damnation catches you up. 
the one ring lets you pull ahead. I think Balustrade Spy is probably the closest thing to just winning the game. And that is one of the decks that we'll talk about there. There is already been a 5-0 reported with Oops All Spells. So that's actually a real a real deck that actually has a meaningful upgrade. So it's not like a total trap. <laughs> At least in that one specific case, um, that's a good home for it. But if you go to Pioneer, I don't I don't see as many cards that just like actually win on four mana. And maybe that's fine, right? There's no like game winning effect unless you're kind of like a slaughter games or something or possibly assembling like archfiend to the draws combo one interesting thing that i did find about that um that list that was um the oops all spells list is mm-hmm. it is kind of interesting that that list if it wanted to have two combos in it could play uh, the full four charbelchers in their deck and then just play one or two iron crag feats um this is the red sorcery that when you play it you make seven red but you can only play one more spell um because you could beseech the mirror if you had the um, either piece um, and go for a lethal kill, which is kind of interesting to me. Um, Why do you need the Iron Craig for the Iron Craig feat? So, so if you had a Charbelcher in your hand um, mm-hmm. and your opponent had some way that was turning off your graveyard, or you know you were worried about something you know happening, like um, the endurance uh, endurance is a, as a card that stops the um oops all spells deck currently you could go beseech go get iron crag feet make seven red belcher you i win the game um and that's a pretty easy combo it just slots in a couple of extra cards so um i i definitely think that there is some room there I, I do think shortcutting that card to just say actually win the game is a pretty powerful thing to do I don't know how to make that the most consistent as of yet. Interesting. Well, since we're on the topic, the player in question is Ashanti on Magic Online. I believe their name is Sam. They 5-0 with what at first glance is a stock Oops All Spells list in Modern, but the innovation was to actually go up to 70 cards and just add Beseech the Mirror. Like They didn't really take anything out. <laughs> um, it changes the density of uh, your your win the game cards, right? So now you have the four Balish Raid Spies, the four Undercity Informers, and four Besuch the Mirrors. Charbelcher is there in the sideboard, but not with Iron Craig. Excuse me, Iron Craig feet. Now, <laughs> I don't want to confuse this with the, the Mana Rock, the Iron Craig, which is actually also another good card to play with Besuch the Mirror. <laughs> so here we're looking at, uh, yeah, just like the, the modern version of this deck where you're enabling it with Talismans. You have Pentad Prism, four of those, and six Talismans. So very, very likely to win the game on turn three in this deck. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm pretty excited about that. I do love the fact that Pentad Prism is a thing that you can play on turn two, turn three, uh, have it make some mana, and then also uh, sack it to the uh, bargain cost. I think that is a really, really important thing that uh, your cards that are letting you ramp this thing out earlier need to be able to do. Exactly. Okay, exploring some new space loss, and let's get on to some deck lists. And as much as we've been talking about modern, let's give some love to Pioneer, because David has left us three absolute beauties. I'll, I'll let you start with this uh, cat pack, because I do love this, <laughs> but I know this is uh, super your, your wheelhouse. So uh, tell us about this 80-card, almost mono-black Yorion pile with uh, 
a singleton red card. What's going on here? Well, it's a double combo, Lawson. The old <laughs> double combo. But that's okay, because we're playing Yorian, so there's, there's plenty of room for all your combos. Cat Pact, in this case, refers to Demonic Pact. Two black black, so four mana total for an enchantment, and it has four modes, one of which happens every upkeep. The fourth one kills you, but the first three are just pure value. The dream is always to just demonic pact for value, right? It's actually a pretty strong proactive play in these demonic pact decks. And then the question is, what do you do with the pact? Like, you have to get rid of it before you die. You can either just sack the pact, uh, you can blink it with Yorian. Or if you want to be really ambitious, you go find a copy of Harmless Offering, which donates it to the opponent, and then they die, and not you. The problem is that Harmless Offering is just blank, right? So we really don't want to have a bunch of copies of that in the deck just on the hope to combo off. So what David has done here is say, okay, now I can have my four Demonic Packs, my four Besiege the Mirror, and I only have to play one Harmless Offering. The other combo, right? Why is there a second combo in here? Well, <laughs> it turns out that... Um, you can combo with Ashiok. Whoa. The Wicked Manipulator. Whoa. You can combo with Ashiok Wicked Manipulator. This is the new Planeswalker from the, from the set, the only Planeswalker in the set, whose static text allows you to, instead of paying life, you just exile cards off of your own library. Very, very unique effect, and we talked about different ways to combo with that, but the cleanest way to kill is to get an Aetherflux Reservoir into play. Pay 50 life, deal 50 damage. That's what we're going to do, but instead of paying 50 life, we're just going to exile 50 cards from our library. And again, that's very sweet, but the Reservoir is mostly blank, so that's kind of the equivalent to Harmless Offering. We're just going to play one Harmless Offering, one Aetherflux Reservoir, and four Beseech the Mirror to find all of that. So we kind of have these two different combo packages of four and one, four and one, and then the four tutors to hold it all together. What's the rest of the deck? Well, we're in black, so we're going to have Thought Seize, we're going to have Fatal Push. We're trying to generate fodder for the bargain, so we're looking at uh, the Iron Crag, not Iron Crag Feet, but the actual Iron Crag, just the new mana rock that's legendary. Just ramps you very cleanly, allows you to cast Demonic Pact on three, allows you to cast Beseech the Mirror on three to get Demonic Pact. Um, those would be very common lines. We need more fodder than that, though. So we've got Trial of Ambition, just a sack effect that sticks around to be sacrificed. Hopeless Nightmare, a very important new card. Um, the discard and life losses don't really matter, but it's just a one-for-one -one play that actually gives you advantage when you sacrifice it. It lets you scry, too, towards something new. And that's actually kind of important in these 80-card decks without a lot of card selection. The ability to just like get that random scry throughout the game um, can help keep the gas flowing. So we have four of those to sack to the bargain. We can also sack them to Rite of Oblivion, which is here as, as a 2x. There's one Treacherous Blessing. That's the one that draws three, and then you have to get rid of it. And four copies of Staff of Completion. This is a little bit ambitious. I think David's reaching a little bit too far here, but the idea is a Staff of Completion is very sweet with Ashiok, right? All of its abilities tap and pay life. So Ashiok makes them a lot more affordable. And you can also, you know, sacrifice the staff to bargain your Beseech. You can actually use Staff of Completion to get rid of your own Demonic Pact. So you have like a higher density of sac effects. I don't know if I would go as high as four copies of Staff, but uh, it's there. It's all there in this combo deck. So 
I will say whenever uh, I was on the pod um, and we did not have the full set, I know we talked about Ashok for a second and I did bring up staff of completion and I'm so happy to see it here. Uh, The one thing that is not immediately apparent about this is that it uh, randomly will just kill your opponent out of nowhere with Ashok uh, because you can um, tap pay three life to proliferate mm-hmm. um, instead of paying the life you're exiling top of your library you proliferate onto the ashiok then you spend you know the the mana you have in play to untap it you do the proliferate one again and that's a really easy way to jump the ashiok up you know two counters in a turn uh, so that you know if she were to randomly be sitting at four or five she's going to ultimate out of nowhere and you know in activating this, you did just mill the top eight cards of your library. If the average CMC of cards in your deck is two, eight cards means you're dealing 16 points of damage. You know, that's just the way that math breaks down. So um, it is not a combo that is 100% guaranteed, uh, but it is, you know, you, you load the meme cannon, you fire the meme cannon, you see what the meme cannon hits from time to time. I don't want to come across as too negative. Like, I know I'm laughing at these combos, but I kind of believe in this deck. As bizarre as it is. <laughs> like, it, it kind of checks the right boxes for me, where on the one hand, the primary plan is a Yorian control deck that just tries to outvalue people with removal and blinking those permanents. And the bane of those decks' existence is that when other decks can just go over the top, like Mono Green, you can't just one for one forever, you'll eventually die. So what you have to do is have your own combo. And Demonic Pact is one way to do that. Ashiok is just a value engine that also has this kill combo with Reservoir is a second way to do that. And Beseech holding it all together so you just have like this this very quick kill. While also being like a kind of like a fine defensive play. Like if, if you have to Beseech just to get a Wrath, you can do that. There's a Kaya's Wrath in here. If you have to Beseech for value, you can just get a Treacherous Blessing or a Demonic Pact for value. So kind of like it as weird as that is it is really really funny the fact that the this is not a combo that you can really do in modern because yorian is banned and you, exactly. you need you need 50 cards in your library if you don't have 50 cards in your library you can't pay that cost instead so um that is that is wild I mean, you could do Battle of Wits if you, <laughs> you need to do this in modern. But then we'll never draw the Beseech. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, like I was like, I think it's actually a much better card, a much more interesting card in Pioneer, um, where all modes are good. Finding the kill is good. Getting rid of the Demonic Pact is good. Getting rid of the Treacherous Blessing is good. Having the Toolbox is good. Whereas in modern, I think it's going to be more of like a does the same thing every time. So we see that in effect also in the second list here that David has provided for us, where again, it's a Yorian deck. It's got Beseech the Mirror and Demonic Pact. Although in this case, we're not doing the second combo with Ashiok and Reservoir. We're playing it a little bit more responsible. Instead, we're using those slots on Fable of the Mirror Breaker, a card that I think is on balance slightly better than Staff of Completion. Uh, they're close. <laughs> and that, that provides all the fodder you need, like Lawson was saying, for your Beseech. Additionally, David is playing Doom Foretold, four copies of Doom Foretold. So we're really leaning into that. I have game objects. I'm going to sacrifice them for value. 
Doom Foretold Consecutive Demonic Pack, so it's all kinds of good stuff going on here. It's just like a little bit clunky. So the secret sauce that makes this plausible is Fires of Invention. That's really the dream with Beseech the Mirror. Fires of Invention has always been good with Yorian. Like, you could do that slick play where you, once you've got the companion in hand, you double spell for free. The second spell is Yorian, which is free. Tucks the Fires of Invention, so you have all your mana available to cast even more spells, and you end up playing like three or four spells in the same turn. You could do something similar to that if you have Fires in play. You play one card for free. This, your second card can be Beseech the Mirror. Now you've cast two spells for free and have all your mana available, so you, you could just have like a huge catch-up turn that way. I think that's the hope. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really do like the kind of approach of this deck. Uh, the other interesting thing to keep in mind is that uh, this is the kind of deck that because you have Fires of Invention, um, you don't have to really do the bargain if you don't need it. You know, if having Fires for next turn is going to be important and you just need the Wrath, you can just play Demonic Bargain, go get your Wrath, and then have it be your second spell for the turn. Like... The, the Fires of Invention does solve the problem that um, it has of, man, it really is not fun when I play this four mana spell and I haven't done anything yet. Fire of Invention lets you do two things at a turn. So it kind of solves that mana issue side of things. So I, I do actually like kind of the, the theory craft here. Um, I am a little hesitant generically in Pioneer to slow my deck down so that I can be grindier uh, because no one is more grindy than Mono Green Devotion making 15 mana. You know, like that's there is some upper limits from some of the decks in the format that do just end the game. And this doesn't end the game, but um, high card quality. So I can't complain. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that David cut the Iron Crag from this one. I guess he just needed the slots for other stuff. But it's a little slow, right? Like you're not really going to explode. You're certainly not going to catch up until you have four or five lands in play. Yeah, but I think that's fine. I don't think that's that big of an issue. Last things to note about this construction is that Doom Foretold does a lot of work here, right? It's It's, first of all, just an attrition card that puts you ahead, but it gives you that density of rewards for filling up your deck with hopeless nightmares and trial of ambitions. And in this case, Oath of Chandra, like having game objects is really great in theory, but in practice, we, we need to like have, we need to actually draw the payoff for the game objects. So maybe beseech is one such card, but yeah, do foretold being another and do foretold just sacking the hopeless nightmare to get that scry, I think is going to be really, really good. Last little bit of sauce is <laughs> David has one copy of, Spirit Sisters Call, which is a card that has burned us in the past. That is a five mana enchantment that basically allows you to uh, once per turn on your end step, you can like sack something to bring back from your graveyard a card of the same card type. That's very sweet if you have the Doom Foretold Hopeless Nightmare engine going. You just keep looping those two forever, but uh, that's not a good card in general. I think David knows that it's more just a, <laughs> a thing you can try. They do exile. So the, the copy, if it leaves, does get exiled. So it won't make a perfect oh, loop, but it will it will no. make enough value. I mean, 
the one of the cool things about this deck as well is that so that you have enough things for you to be bargaining away uh there is you know the one mana enchantment that i brought up earlier that's uh your opponent loses to and they have to discard a card there will be some number of games that you play with this deck where you go like turn one you play that turn two you play another one turn three you play a removal spell turn four you play uh fires and another removal spell Turn five, you pick up your Yorion, you uh, beseech, you like you just do everything on your opponent, and then your Yorion also flickers all of your discard spells again. Like that, that is a really, really powerful thing that this deck gets to do that other decks just don't even get to think about. So pretty, pretty actually excited about that. Yeah, he's not playing the white one, the hopeful vigil. That's the two drop that you know makes a knight token. I wonder if there's anything there. I would rather just take all the cards from my opponent's hand. Well, you could do both. Making your opponent discard a card to them, thought seize them. Yeah, but that one costs two mana. This one costs one. One's one's less than two. But this that's two objects though, if you're doing foretold. Well, I guess doing foretold doesn't get tokens, but hmm, interesting. Uh, I'll just make a quick note here that a friend of the pod, DJF MTG, uh, posted actually a qu- quite similar concept in the, our Discord. Um, which I forgot to mention, if you love the podcast and you want to support us, you can sign up for our Patreon and that gets you access to our Discord community where you will find such beautiful brews as this Beseech Yorian Fire is from MTG, who is a noted Yorian control player. And he's thinking that you actually want to splash into Grixis. So he's actually going blue for Omen of the Sea. That gives you access to like a one copy of Nicol Bolas the Ravager as a tutor target. Um... He's going with Omen of the Forge instead of uh, like Oath of Chandra onto, and he's actually not playing the Hopeful Nightmare. He's playing Omen of the Forge instead and Omen of the Sea. So a little bit different take on like what the top end of the control package should look like. There's no combo here. Um, instead, it's just hard control with fires to like really take control of the game quickly once you get up to four or five mana. All right, one last one from David here, and this is if you just love the idea of Beseech and Demonic Pact. No nonsense here. It's just four Demonic Pact, four Beseech, no Yorian. Clean control, and to make this happen, we have the new Mana Rock, the Iron Crag, so four copies of that. Four Fatal Push, four Thoughts Use, four Trial of Ambition, three Rite of Oblivion. So this is almost just like the proto version of the two decks that we described. Right? If you don't want to go for the 80-card nonsense, you just want to see how powerful is it to be able to beseech for Demonic Pact, and also to be able to beseech to get rid of your Demonic Pact. This is, I think, how you would do it. Um, the kill will come from the two copies of Harmless Offering. There's also two Treacherous Blessings for value, we could say. You need one Wrath, so that's a Kaya's Wrath. Um, right of Oblivion, three copies here. No Hopeful Nightmare. I think David doesn't believe in that card enough uh, without Yorian to blink it. I'm not so sure. I think you could probably still get away with playing it. Um, like he's playing a duress here instead. I think that should just be a, a hope, hopeless nightmare. And then he's got like a couple interesting cards on three. One Oath of Kaya, which is just, you know, a kill spell that you can get rid of later. And one copy of the Princess Takes Flight, which is an interesting, interesting little removal spell. As long as you get rid of it before chapter three, it's a clean exile effect. Yeah, no. Um, so just just for everyone at home, the princess takes flight is one white and two saga. Uh, 
Chapter 1 is you exile up to one target creature. Chapter 2 is target creature you control gets plus 2 plus 2 and gains flying until end of turn. And then the last chapter is return the exiled card to the battlefield. So the real plan in this deck is there's uh, the four Beseeches. Um, there's also three Rite of Oblivions. So you've got seven ways to really effectively get rid of the Princess Takes Flight. Uh, this card is very powerful and limited. I mean, I've bargained it so many times. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind about it is you do sometimes just target tokens. And mm. you don't even need to be able to bargain it away if you're taking a token. Or if you just need them to not kill you immediately, like, Having this as a way to just take something off the board for a second is also fine. So uh, this is a card that I think is a little overrated by people that like it and very underrated by everyone else. So uh, somewhere somewhere between the middle of those two things. Interesting. So question for you, Lawson. Do you feel like Rite of Oblivion is the correct card to play as my additional sacrifice outlets? Obviously, you know, the first cost... The first casting, rather, is very efficient, right? It's two mana, exiles any non-land permanent, and you sack something. The flashback mode's like pretty expensive, so I'm actually wondering if we should play the other one, like Candy Grapple instead, like a mix. Because um, mm. Candy Grapple is like a little cleaner; it's instant speed. Uh, it doesn't hit anything, so I mean, I understand that Rite of Oblivion is just like more useful <laughs> if if we can afford to be at sorcery speed and pay four mana. But like maybe we should look at the the rest of the bargain suite as well. I mean, you you could play like a two two split. I think that would be fine. I I do like the idea of getting to play the um you know one black enchantment opponent discards. Um, it is important to remember that that card does give you a benefit when it dies. You know, when it goes Correct. to the graveyard, it lets you scry too. So. Uh, I, I do think that that kind of effect is something this deck might be interested in. Uh, I don't exactly know if I would be cutting, you know, one, the one duress and maybe the one princess takes flight or, you know, kind of how mm-hmm. that would all break down. But uh, I am, this is the kind of thing that I am very interested in. I, I will also say, I do think the mana base for this deck is pretty perfect. And the fact that uh, we're just tr- really trying to make sure that we always have black, we never stumble on that. Uh, I do see a lot of decks in Pioneer that even though their Thought sees Fatal Push decks, you know, they've got a lot of sources that aren't making black. That is a problem if all of the good cards in your deck cost black because if you draw the two lands that don't make black you have to mulligan and mulliganing is bad so it's almost a mono black deck i mean you need that black 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 for beseech the mirror you also need black on turn one um there's like a, a few red lands there's three lands in here that are capable of making red in case you happen to draw your harmless offering i might go down to one harmless offering to be honest um white is going to be a little tricky right that's another reason to play candy grapple instead right um i'm not super optimistic that we'll have double white all the time for the kaya's wrath but yeah we don't want to draw these cards we prefer to just do mm. it for them but yeah i mean if you if you want a deck that is just able to go turn three demonic pact go which is actually a pretty strong play in my experience um you know turn two iron crag turn three demonic pact or turn three beseech sack iron crag get demonic pact now, that's a pretty strong play and this deck does this the most often of the decks we talked about yeah, no, I mean, I think um, I think this deck is sweet. You know, Pioneer is definitely the format that I've taken a little bit of a break from. 
Uh, I will be going to the uh, RC in Atlanta with some of the guys that um, are grinders here in the area. So uh, I, I will be the boots on the ground for the Pioneer events going on there. So I am you know, going to dive back into that format uh, pretty soon. So pretty, pretty excited to get to uh, play with Besiege the Mirror here. All right, so that's Pioneer. From there, we shift back to Modern and... The demands of modern are a little bit different. I don't think there's time for demonic pact in modern, so we need to be a little more powerful. So we talked already about the Oops All Spells deck from Ashanti. I think it's probably here to stay in that deck. So that's one home. But what about mono black coffers? So I do think it's good in coffers. Um, the main thing that it's doing in this deck is just being extra copies of the One Ring. Um, this deck is already playing three one rings in the main, four Karns in the main to go get another one. So, uh, really Beseech the Mirror in this deck is just rings at eight and nine. Um, they're also Shieldred three and four and Damnation. Um, one thing that is important to know about this deck is it is plenty happy to count the, uh, one, one token off the Bowmaster as one of the cards, um, for sacking to bargain, because this deck is trying to be really grindy. It's trying to do one for ones. It's trying to have the game go longer. If your opponent plays the game scared of the one, one token, but not the Bowmaster, and they're having to use their removal spells, you know, initially to stop that, that is exactly what this deck is interested in. Um, so I do think that that is a kind of interesting play pattern that this one will specifically have that others might not. So the exact list we're talking about is a 5-0 from uh, Ilgian B, two copies of Beseech the Mirror in the main deck in what is otherwise a, a fairly stock-ish mono-black coffers deck. The accommodations made for the Beseech are there's one copy of Talisman of Hierarchy, could be any talisman essentially and they noted in their tweet that uh, they would probably actually play a second talisman and actually add a third copy of beseech after playing this league so they like the beseech um and as we've been saying talisman to make make this four drops happen a little bit sooner is quite good it gets a little more interesting after cyborg you know then you're bringing in ley lines in some matchups which um you can also feed those to the beseech if you want to but for the most part like it's not adding that many lines of play to the deck I guess sacking your one ring, you know. Yeah, it, it's really just, this is the kind of deck that is trying to play the most powerful cards in the format. And a lot of those end up being, you know, things that cost four mana. So if Beseech lets you choose between the best four drops in your deck on turn four, that's probably pretty good for this deck. You know, there are definitely going to be other decks that are jumping through those hoops and want to do something more explosive. This deck is plenty happy to take game actions and not actually end the game. It is playing, you know, four Field of Ruin and three Demolition Field. They are. They're they're here to mosey, not to hurt, you know? <laughs> all right, so those are known shells. Oops, all spells. Mono black coffers. Let's get a little more speculative. <laughs> let's let's poke around a bit. I said that you probably shouldn't do Demonic Pact in Modern, but you could do Hatching Plans. And we have a delicious list here from friend of the show, Dak Faden 7 that's mostly mono-black, but he's got those Hatching Plans in there. It's splashing for Hatching Plans. Lawson, tell us about this one. 
So Hatching Plans, um, this is the, the card that is going to be a reader for most people. It's a blue and one enchantment. Whenever it is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw three cards. Uh, this deck has a ton of ways to get rid of Hatching Plans. Uh, so I know we've talked a lot about Beseech the Mirror, but that card does it. Uh, this is also playing uh, Braid's Arisen Nightmare from... Uh, the recent Dominaria set that at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. If they don't, um, you get to draw a card and they lose two life. Um, so uh, this this deck is really trying to you know get into these hatched plans uh, it does have two candy <laughs> grapples as removal that can sacrifice it and then the really cute one to me is it's playing a one of claws of gix as a oh um, target for urza saga uh, claws of gix is a zero mana artifact that you can spend one mana at, and sacrifice a permanent to draw a card uh, so kind of the idea with this is if you hadn't found any of your other ways to activate your hatching plans, uh, you can have your Urza Saga tap for a mana, get the Claw of Gix, use that mana, sack the hatching plans, draw three, and then hopefully, you know, go off from there. So this deck is spicy. And I'm scared for it. You know, I think I think it is doing <laughs> some really powerful things, but uh, I, I don't know if it's quite there. Very speculative so far. I'm, I'm not so sure about braids, <laughs> to be honest, but it's quite fun. It's interesting that you, you now have the option to play like Asmo, Asmore and Amartica Dyson, a cool car, at like fairly low cost now, specifically because of the troll, the troll of Cause of Doom. Um, you can just like count the troll as part of your mana base, but it also just enables turn two Asmo. Mm -hmm. So between the four cookbooks and the four trolls of Cause of Doom, yeah, I guess that's enough to play Asmo. Uh, I don't quite see that I need so many copies of Daredevil. Like, three Daredevils seems like a lot, um, given that Asmo's not, like, a super important part of the plan, at least as I'm seeing it. I think it's fine. Three, three is the number that I think is, like, kind of where I want to be with these decks that are not all in on food. Um, but, I mean... I, I think splitting hairs on, ooh, maybe it should be two daredevils because we're going to draw cards from Hatching Plan or something. I think I think that's getting a little caught in the weeds, and I don't think that's the problem this deck will have. I think this deck will uh, oftentimes do nothing, which is bad. So, um, But when it well, does its thing, it's yeah. going to do a lot of things. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's like... If you're giving a lot of slots to Daredevil, that's that's really only for when you have the cookbook going. And then it's like, well, what's the mm. point of the cookbook? Is it to get an Ashiok? Or excuse me, is it to get an Asmo down? Like, is mm. that actually how I win? Or is that just like one of my defensive lines? Or is it because I want the cookbook to just give me braids fuel? And I guess, I mean, that's fine if that's the case, but it's interesting. Um, you can draw a lot of cards. You can make a lot of tokens. I just don't know if you can win. That's my concern. Yep. No, and I, I do think that is going to be one of the issues in that kind of version. Um, I know I talked a little bit about Border Post, so I do want to just kind of go over this as well, this next list. Um, the other thing that I think that Beseech the Mirror does pretty effectively is it is uh, very similar to As Foretold in the fact that it does let us cast those free spells mm. and 
if we don't have any border posts and we don't have any talismans of dominance, but we do have the as foretold, we can just pitch it to the bargain. We can just have the as foretold be the bargain and go get, you know, restore balance, profane tutor, anything like that, and go from there. So um, there definitely is some flexibility here. Uh, but I do think the most powerful that thing that this deck is doing is definitely just greater Gargadon with Restore Balance. If you haven't ever made that game action of sacking all your lands and knowing that two turns from now you get a 9-7, it is a great feeling. So so we're talking about a different deck here, if that was not clear. This is a, a list from a friend of the podcast, Dylan Cruzy, who is Dylan MTG. Uh, a wild brewer. <laughs> he, he sees the world wildly in a wild ways. And you see that here in this beautiful border post pile. <laughs> um, Restore balance, famously good with the border posts because they're artifacts that actually put your lands back in your hand. So you're going to be at a very low land count and the border posts are safe from the restore balance. He's got eight border posts and four talismans. So that's a nice turn to play. Turn to slam a talisman and play another border post. <laughs> But really going crazy with the, the Null's cost spells. Four Restore Balance, four Profane Tutor, and four Wheel of Fate. Um, this, might be, this might be optimistic, right? Wheel of Fate, each player discards their hand and draws seven. How does that help you? Well, in Dylan's case, he's, he's going all in. He's got four Waste Knots and two Shaldred. So that's the combo finish at the end of this. You can either get them with a Gargadon and Restore Balance, that's one way to win, or you can just play a Waste Knot early and then you're you're always threatening that Wheel of Fate play. The Waste Knot actually doesn't really do anything uh, outside of exactly the Wheel of Fate line, but he's committed to it. He's got the four As Foretolds and the four Beseeches, so that's a major part of the plan to get this Wheel of Fate off. And then if you have either a Waste Knot or Liliana's Caress or a Shaladroid in play, that's how you win. And I, I do think it's important to note that this deck actually does have the capability of kind of chaining um, Wheel of Fates because uh, the Waste Knot, while it is an enchantment that you can sacrifice, it also will make you zombies if your opponent discards a creature. So you can mm. discard the zombie to the Beseech the Mirror to go get another Wheel of Fate, to do another Wheel of Fate, to either you know drain your opponent out, get a lot more resources. Like mm. if, if your opponent, if you play the your second Wheel of Fate on your opponent, it is going to um, draw you seven cards plus however many lands they had, or non-creature, non-land spells. Um, so it might draw you 10 or 11 cards, finding you either another Wheel of Fate or uh, Besiege the Mirror. Uh, I do really like the choice of T Talisman of Dominance specifically, because this does make it to where when you make all that mana, you can just go, okay, cool, I'll play a Talisman of Dominance that I drew. I'll spend two black and I'll make a blue. I'll play a second as foretold. Okay, cool. We're going to Wheel of Fate again. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Like You, you, you can really <laughs> sprint through your deck with this one. Okay, that's awesome. Having things to spend that black mana off from Waste Knot is very attractive. I did, not, I did not realize you could also use the black mana to play Talisman, play as foretold, and mm -hmm. do it all again. And you have profane tutors, so yeah, this deck is this deck is ready to to go crazy. I love that nice one from Dylan MTG. Um, 
There's a list here for the aspiring Spike was messing with, but it's not as sweet. Right? He's only playing the restore balance as foretold, but like, you know, might as well go Wheel of Fate. Right? I think Spike put in an Asmo cookbook package instead, which that's, that's fine, but let's, let's go full Wheel of Fate. The other one I do want to bring up, um, and we do kind of have a list that is doing this um, linked here as well. It's a mono black, um, like grief-esque pile um, that does have the Beseech the Mirror in it. But there is a kind of interesting interaction with Grief uh, where you can play it with, there's a card in the new set called uh, Not Dead Yet, I believe, or Not All Dead. Um, But it's basically the new version of Undying Malice. Um, But it creates a role, and the role is an enchantment uh, that you can sacrifice to the Beseech. So um, if you wanted to, you could grief scam your opponent on turn one, know that they weren't going to have any interaction spells for you. And then after they don't have the interaction spells, sacrifice the uh, now made role to do your Beseech, which is delicious. Not dead after all. That's the card. And it's it's funny because David was complaining about how, well, that's the best card for modern from the set because it goes directly into the best modern deck, Rakdos Scan. But it's even better than that, right? If this line that Lawson is talking about is actually relevant for the deck, the fact that the Wicked Roll token can be sacrificed as fuel specifically for Beseech would just be that extra delicious irony. <laughs> so much better than Undying Malice in that case. So I have like a sample shell from a brewer named Ninja the Nick, which again, very speculative. It actually does not include the grief scam, but what I found interesting about this one, Lawson, was that on the one hand, it's like, okay, you got Beseech, you're trying to get like Asmo, so you have the Troll of Cause of Doom there, you have Street Wraiths. So on the one hand, you're kind of a Asmo-ish control deck with grief, not in a huge hurry to like win the game and yet you have the ability to actually beseech for a one copy of living end which would be like a defensive play that also just like happens to win because you've been cycling street wraiths generous ents and trolls of kaza doom all game if you got your cookbook asmo thing you also have the option to discard just like straight up discard arcan of cruelty which could come back off the living end or you could just persist it back so there's four persist four archon four cookbook four asmo for Grief, um, all those cyclers I mentioned, and then Orcish Bowmasters, because we need Bowmasters. There's also Urza's Saga here, which does a lot of different things, gives you something to do, right? Gets the cookbook out, um, finds that Haywire Might when you need it, provides fodder for the Beseech if you need that. So that's how you get to critical mass of bargainable objects for the Beseech. It's an interesting concept. I'm kind of curious if something like this actually works. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the kind of build of this deck. Um, I mean, I would probably want to slide in a couple more One Rings just because that card's really powerful. Um, and of course, I would, you know, make sure that I could scam people. But I mean, overall, I mean, you know, the, this deck, even though it is not the most all-in on Beseech the Queen or Beseech the Mirror, so many cards in this deck are turning it on. You know, Asmo will find you an Underworld cookbook, book makes food, uh, Haywire Mites are an artifact, Bowmaster makes tokens. Like, there, there's a lot of ways to make it live here. So, yeah, I think it's real. 
I love the suggestion, Lawson. I just think you're running out of deck space. Like, if you want to put in the scam, the not dead after all, like, where are you, where are you finding the slots for that? I think you have to cut the persist archon package. And maybe that's fine. Like, maybe you don't need that. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just think Street Wraith isn't necessary. Like, I think Generous Ent and Troll are way better at doing those things. And I don't want to be paying life. Um, the other thing that is kind of sweet is that if things are going well, you can just beseech for grief and just like grief your opponent. Just give me a card out of your hand. Like, hmm. yeah, the, 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 this card does not have to just be lethal, you know, all the time. Interesting. Okay, so a nice concept there from Ninja the Nick. I'm, I'd be curious to see if they get any testing in with this. All right, so that's what I've got, Lawson, for Modern and for Pioneer. Um, what are you thinking? Any other concepts we should be exploring? I'm I'm very excited about this card. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that it's jumping through the hoops of. Um, I did think about, you know, could there be some artifact deck that, you know, gets to use the artifact lands? I think that those are probably not quite a good enough fit. But overall, no, I think that you know, this is a card that asks a lot from the deck designer, but does let you just cast a card from your library. You know, the the best card in the five color Nimiza decks that me and you have spent literally thousands of hours playing uh, is the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to make our mana base awful. We're going to play cards that have a very, very specific deck building restriction, but we do get to have moments where our entire deck is in our hand and we can choose a new card from it and put it into play, you know? And that is a powerful game action to take that almost no other deck in the format gets to. It's just making sure that, you know, the, the juice is worth the squeeze. Hmm. Indeed. I guess I'm, I'm coming around a little bit. I could imagine this being a fun card to mess around with. I still don't think it's, actually going to be good enough in modern but the pioneer decks look fun restore balance looks very fun um not willing to pay 75 bucks or whatever it currently costs (laughs) no idea why it's so expensive hey the uh while we're talking about magic prices uh you brought up that questing uh druid earlier uh that is one dollar if you're you know needing it it is one american dollar so um you know magic prices are what they are (laughs) but um no i think i think there is a a lot of design space still um with this beseech and i i think i think there is going to be something that comes up that we have missed and the moment that people start doing it we go oh that's more powerful that's (laughs) that's the thing that you need to be doing um But also, at one point, I will commandeer someone's beseech, and they will concede. And that, that will make me a happy camper, so. <laughs> All right, so we got plenty of concepts to test for Beseech the Mirror. Um, got a couple minutes left, Lost, and so I want to ask you if you have any other decks you want to shout out. A little segment called Picks of the Week that we often don't have time for, but since you've got one picked out, I will throw it to you. I do have one picked out. Um, so for those of y'all who don't know me, 
Um, when Modern was super, super young, the first deck I ever made a PTQ top eight with was Old School Affinity with Shrapnel ba- Blast, Galvanic Blast, Memnite, Ornithopter, Cranial Plating, the, the whole nine yards. Um, and this is that in 2023. Um, it's a Gigantha deck because we all got to have our Pokemon with us. Um, four Ragavan, four Ornithopter, two Memnite. It's also got four Fable the Mirror Breaker, so that's your creature suite. Uh, it's got 12 burn spells, as God intended. Uh, four Lightning Bolt, four Galvanic Blast, four Shrapnel Blast. So four things that do three, four, and five. Sounds great. And then it's got an artifact package of one Mishra's uh, Research Desk, one Pyrite Spell Bomb, one Shadow Spear, three Drums, four Hour Urza Saga package. And then we've got three Nettle Cyst and three The One Ring. So uh, this is just a super, super grindy uh, mono red. Uh, mid-range deck that also randomly has a ton of burn at the top. Uh, One thing about this deck that I think is so, so sweet is that this deck can very easily be losing and just try to chain a bunch of one rings in a row to then just try to burn your opponent out. You know, if your opponent's got lethal ready, but you have two one rings, you play the first one, you draw a card, you say go, they can't hit you. You draw two cards, perfect, we'll play another one. You can draw seven, eight cards before your opponent ever gets another combat step to hit you. And when you're playing such big, juicy burn spells that deal, you know, four and five points of damage, it's very real that your opponent could be at 15, have you dead if they can go to combat, and then never get that option again. So, um, yeah, pretty excited when I saw this one. Um, Yeah. Okay, I mean, that line is very sweet, right? One ring and just, like, desperately dig for the final shrapnel blast, galvanic blast, and lightning bolts. But if you're doing that, why do you need the Memites and Ornithopters? I don't quite get how these two halves of the deck are supposed to interact. Like, four Ornithopters, but they don't do anything. They don't provide mana. They they don't... Well, I guess they're Springleaf for them, but they don't provide affinity. There's no Frog Mites. There's no Thought Monitors. There's Nettle Cyst. There's... There's three Nettle Cyst. That's so surprising. Yeah. Yeah, no, when when I saw this deck, it is very much a blast from the past. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I haven't got to, you know, put my hands on it yet, but I also love this deck because it's got such a sweet mana base. It's got four Mishra's Factory, which speaks to me and Dan on a spiritual level. Um, it's also got some Ramanop Ruins, and it's got Urza Saga, so it has got a really, really powerful... Um, base it's not messing around with blood mooning people it's just trying to be very very low to the ground and the only thing in this deck that doesn't cost one mana is uh, shrapnel blast fable and one ring basically so well nettlesis as well oh and nettlesis sure yeah it goes fairly high on the curve like you would think that like experimental synth or mistress research desk would be an important part of plan but no the curve is like too high for that <laughs> you gotta spend your mana on these three or four mana plays uh you got the saga or is a saga gobbling up your mana as well i imagine you win most of your games just by burning them out right like that's yeah. gotta be the yeah that's the plan that's bizarre yeah My God. no i love it 
All right, very clever pick there. Great little pick. This four out of prelim, is that right? Yep. It four out of prelim, and it was also um it did all right in the challenge. It was the same player. So um someone just like me who's living in the glory days of Shrapnel Blast. Um, you know. That's Crusher Bot BG on Magic Online. Good work, soldier. All right, well, I'll have a pick as well, and this will also be a, a throwback for you, Lawson. It's uh, Magda's back. Magda, Brazen Outlaw, a card that has bedeviled us for a long time. Some people have kept the faith. Some people have not given up on Magda, and a person by the name of Toao Huntmaster, 2AO Huntmaster, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that, uh, won their local RCQ with what they call their pet deck. So I guess they've been a Magda player or a Magda believer for a long time. <laughs> what does Magda look like these days? Well, it hasn't really gotten that much new tech, but it has gotten the one ring. And I mean, as for better or worse, this is the reality of modern right now is that if you're a deck that couldn't quite hang, but you did generate mana, maybe adding one rings is like a backup plan to like soak up that mana and get you back in the game uh, is good enough so i i think that's what's happening here i think that's why this deck actually was able to win so just to refresh everyone's memory magda brazen outlaw creates a treasure whenever a dwarf you control becomes tapped happens to pair beautifully with the card moth dust changeling uh one one changeling so it's a dwarf that allows you to tap any creature you want at any time so now you can get all the dwarves, all the changeling dwarves, we should say. So that's Unsettled Mariner to protect your Magda. That's Universal Automaton, which you can fetch notably off Urza's Saga. Magda becomes the unique card that you have to tutor up. So there's four copies of Imperial Recruiter to go get Magda and four copies of Aethervile to let all this happen in a timely fashion. How do you actually win? Well, we've experimented with different ways to win. I think uh, for, for a while, Carthus Tyrant of Jund was in fashion as the kill card, but I always had a soft spot for the Clock of Omens combo, which does require specifically Universal Automaton in play because you need to have that second artifact for your untaps. Um, but thanks to Saga, that's not a problem anymore. Clock of Omens plus Magda plus Universal Automaton allows you to... Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Yes. So the the combo is very, very finicky. The the important part to note is that Magda's sacking of treasures, the treasures don't have to be untapped. So you can tap the uh, treasure that you make off of one of your dwarves and the universal automaton to activate the uh, clock. And Mm -hmm. off of that, you are going to target the automaton that was untapped when you first activated this, but on resolution will now be tapped. It will have made another treasure and it will now become untapped. And now you have a treasure and an untapped automaton. We continue the loop. So you end up with a million tapped treasures. And Magda also lets you sack those treasures to go pluck dragons and artifacts out of your deck. So all you need is one dragon that wins the game. Uh, Scourge of Velkas is that dragon. Um, does damage equal to the number of dragons you control every time a dragon comes in. So then you just go get some more moth those changelings and win. Very, very elegant. It's a fragile deck, especially in the Bowmasters era. So you need protection. You have three spell skites here. 
to protect the Magda. And the little toolbox, there's one Masked Vandal, one Shadow Spear, and uh, one Apostle's Blessing. I'm not quite sure what that's there for. Grist the Hunger Tide has been an important upgrade for this deck, um, just to give it a little more interaction and to profit a little bit more from all these changelings. It did make me wonder, Lawson, if you thought that this deck would benefit from Agatha's Soul Cauldron. So it is kind of interesting that um, the Soul Cauldron does give everyone the Magda effect to go get the dragon. But at the end of the day, like the, the thing of this deck that matters is can I get five treasures so that I can go get my clock and win the game, you know? Um, and I think the most important thing to do that is just always going to be being pretty resilient to just generic removal spells. So I really think it's impressive. Um, I have not played a Magna deck actually since uh, MH2 came out. And getting to play Urza Saga and Imperial Recruiter and Grist all as ways to both make your deck a lot more um, powerful, just generically in power level, but also much more resilient to single removal spells is super impressive. Um, and then, of course, also adding in the One Ring. Um, th- this deck like can be very grindy now. And also at any point, you might just like play an automaton, play a moth that's changing, animate a mutavolt, tap all of them, make three treasures, win the game. Like, oh wow. Like that that is the thing that like will surprise people out of nowhere. So yeah, I mean it's been a long time since I played a Magdon people and this is sweet. Right. I do think being able to protect your important creatures is is the most important thing. So that's what I envision soul cauldron doing it actually would primarily be extra copies of spell skite and extra copies of mothless changeling like maybe your your first changeling and your first spell sky die but with the soul cauldron you can get access to those effects again right it can't get the important part of magda it can't get the treasure part of magda but you know it can you know give you more access to grist uh i don't know maybe it's just like not doing enough but something to consider yeah, and it, it is always awkward with these decks because it does turn into at some point the fact that like you you want your creatures to be in play, not because they do anything, but just because they go from like vertical to sideways. Like mm-hmm. plenty of times with this deck, you just like end of turn, activate a spring leaf drum, use the mana for nothing, get, go like proceed to starting my new turn. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> That is not a thing that you get to do as much of if you're trimming like spell skites or other things to just play some cauldrons. Um, you do just need a kind of total number of these effects. So, I, I mean, I think this deck, it's playing 11 changelings, but it has four Urza Sagas to find them. So it's kind of playing 15 Mutavolts, two more. That's kind of 17. You've got four Imperial Recruiters. All of the things it's going to find are going to be. Um, uh, dwarves other than grist which by the way if y'all did not know imperial recruiter can find grist which is hilarious <laughs> um doesn't make my brain want to explode um but yeah no i think this deck is doing a lot of things um really well um it is also important to note that this deck is really really good with a, a aether vial um mm. this deck like turn one aether vial is better than anything else in this deck you know it it turns on 
uh, turn three, play Imperial Recruiter, go get either Magda or if you already have a Magda, a Spellskite. And then you can EOT Spellskite and then on your turn, do a Magda and play a bunch of Changelings and try to, you know, win the game all at once. Like, that is a very reasonable thing that you get to do now that you did not get to do before MH2. So, very happy to see someone has been jamming it. It's a sweet pile. You're here. So congrats to Tao Huntmaster on their RCQ win, and nice job keeping the faith with Magda. All right, so those are our picks of the week. Uh, we talked all about Beseech the Mirror, bunch of decks in Pioneer, bunch of decks in Modern. We're going to be keeping an eye on developments in the format. Um, you know, Up the Beanstalk, Agatha Soul Cauldron, those are early winners, but it's still early. You know, still a lot to explore. Maybe Questing Druid is the next breakout card. We'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a lot of things going on. Um, you know, I would be very, very happy if someone broke fairies. I'm not saying that I'm putting a bounty out there for people to, you know, put, put misbind click back into their deck. But I'm just saying, if you've never tapped all your opponent's lands during their draw step, it is a great feeling. So if you would like to feel a good rush, go, go give it a try. Well said. All right, I think that's going to do it for us for this week's show. Lawson, thanks so much for coming by. Absolutely. Always happy to, you know, um, reference Mindlock um, Trap and all that. <laughs> so it's uh, it's good to be in my bag and, you know, talk about some cards that are, uh, let's say, unique in design. And uh, that's all I'm ever asking from Wizards anyway, so. If I don't see you before you head off to Vegas, good luck in that event. And if anyone listening is going to be in Vegas at that sealed event, you can always track down Lawson there. I uh, I am a very loud individual, and I will probably be wearing a shirt that is very many colors. And if you don't believe me, you might see me. So um, that is <laughs> that is my teaser. So. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck, Lawson, and good luck to everyone listening. We will see you in the queues. Peace. Texas for this episode can be found at our homepage, atheistbrewing.com. Tune in next week for our testing results, plus freshly brewed decades in modern and high Support for this podcast is provided by Brewers and you. Join the Faces family and help support the show at Patreon.com slash Discord access, bonus content, and more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.